0: Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, quarantined in D.C., and today I'm going to be talking with somebody a little bit different. Normally, I talk to political people or I talk to actors, but today I'm going to be talking with a publicist. His name is Danny Duraney, and we've met on Twitter. In fact, he helped uh, help book some of the guests that I've had on before, Liz Winstead being one of them. Um, we're going to be talking about a number of things. So just keep in mind that first we're going to be talking a little bit about you know who he is and how he got into being a publicist, PR guy. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about he chooses to not talk about politics on Twitter. He chooses to have a feed that is like fun and I'd say like positive. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But then we're going to get into like his work with the ERA and the Me Too movement, we're going to talk about um, how he has guided women through telling their Me Too stories. So just keep in mind that even though it's a little bit different, we we definitely at the more toward the end of the video, we're going to be talking about some of the social issues that I talk about all the time on this show. So just FYI, uh, and then I have to give you a little bit of an update on Miranda. So as you know, yesterday, well, there's two things to say. One is, and they're both positive. Well. One of them's kind of my fault. And that's that I accidentally bought... Once again, this is the second time I've done this. I accidentally bought decaf coffee. And Bob and I have been drinking decaf coffee. And I was so tired on Sunday. And I've been in such a... I've been scared because um, I don't know what's going to happen with Miranda. And I can't help it. I worry. She's my baby. I don't know what to do. And so my whole mood has just been down. But the fact that I haven't had caffeine that's made it even worse. So anyway, the good news, I guess, is Miranda, um, last night she went to the bathroom pretty good. You know, uh, since last Tuesday when she had two enemas, she has, she's gone every night, but it's not been a lot. So I've been concerned and I've been syringing her food and all the stuff that has some oil in it, olive oil in it. And Anyway, so I talked to the doctor today, and I explained what was going on, and she does seem to be a little bit more normal today. Her behavior is a little bit more normal. She's not 100%, but um, I explained to the doctor everything that's happened and explained that last night she, you know, took a bowel movement that was more along the lines of what her normal bowel movements are. So the doctor said, well, that's promising. So, you know, instead of taking her in tomorrow... I'm just, we've, we've decided that I will monitor her and I will keep making sure she's eating and all of that. So that said, um, I'm not sure what's going to happen next week. I don't know, you know, I mean, she's, there have been days where she's been feeling not so good and days where she's been acting totally normal. So I know that she's a little pissed off at me because I've been syringing stuff, you know, like giving her food with a, you know, and, and I'm talking about like not a, a needle, but just like squirting stuff into her mouth with a syringe. And I, I know she's pissed. So I'm sure that's affecting her to a degree. But um, so far, so good. So I'm, I'm hopeful. And now I have some caffeine in me. So fingers crossed. But I'm saying that next week I have Adam Park Menko scheduled on Monday. And then I have Amanda Soward scheduled on Wednesday. Amanda's been here before. You guys really liked her. So um, she's just a friend of mine. But she's got really interesting ideas when it comes to politics. And she's fun to talk to. Now, I don't know what's going to happen next week. So I'm just going to ask. Please bear with me. I hope I don't have to postpone a show or cancel a show. I did have to cancel last Wednesday's show. And everybody was so supportive and I'm so appreciative because obviously, you know, I don't have children. This this cat is my child and after she's not with me anymore, I'm not going to have an animal for a while because Bob and I would like to take a vacation and, you know, I don't even know when that's going to happen with the whole COVID thing. But eventually I'd like to go up to New York I maybe go to Los Angeles, whatever. So, um, and we just don't want to have to worry about where we're going to leave the cat and I'm not going to have a cat for a while. And that's like, mm, it's just thinking about it makes me want to cry. But I'm not going to cry today. So there's that. Uh, I will be talking to Danny. But before I start, I just want to remind everyone, if you didn't already know, Start Me Up is an independent podcast. And it's supported by listeners. And it's also woman run. And I'm the woman. I don't have corporate backers. I don't use advertisers. Patrons are what keeps this show going. And I am so grateful for each and every one of you. Uh, here's what I ask. If you enjoy today's show, visit patreon.com slash startmeup. You can look at the about section. You can see other people I've interviewed. You can also see all the different tiers. Now, if you sign up for like two bucks per month, that's like two lattes a year or something like that. And you get each show delivered to your email box. You can also sign up for the $5 tier, which is for patrons only. That's where I have either I'm like flying solo or I have a guest like Steph, Steph Walton, who... Um, She's, we're like besties, so when when we do shows together, it's like listening to two best friends talking, and we just get more personal. It's just a more personal show, so that way, people who listen regularly get that extra kind of like insight into my personality, into what's going on in my life, and I like to have a community. You know, I want to f- I want my Patreon page to be like a community. I always read the comments. I love your comments, and just you know, I think that if you're a patron. For the five dollar tier, you get a, a more of a glimpse into my life and my head and all of that good stuff. Um, but you can also sign up for ten dollars a month or twenty five. There's no limit. Like if you want to give me a thousand dollars a month, totally do it. <laughs> you can also um, visit the text of the Patreon description of the show, and you'll see that I uh, I provide my email address, where you could do a PayPal thing one time. Sometimes people like doing that. So if you like doing that, I appreciate it. Any support is appreciated and I'm grateful for it. Last, uh, Patreon, I'm sorry, Start Me Up is wherever you find podcasts, you can find Start Me Up. So that's iTunes, Stitcher, all of it. Please go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts and become a subscriber. It's free. And then if you're, while you're there, you might as well give me a good rating if you like the show and a good review. I would appreciate it. It helps. And I'm not going to totally beg you, but I will say, please, 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 please. (laughs) All right. So that's it for now. Please enjoy my conversation with Danny Duraney. Welcome, Danny. Welcome, Kimberly. How are you? (laughs) Oh, I've just been going insane lately. Um, (laughs) As everybody on my show knows, and I talked about this a little bit in the intro, um, but I've just been dealing with my senior kitty who seems to kind of be Getting better. So I'm hopeful, but I will say that, um, you know, this is this is whole quarantine worrying about what's happening is kind of starting to get to me. <laughs> it's a little hard. Yeah. How are you well, doing? I'm not through- alone. I know I'm not. So, like, how are you doing through all of this? You know,
1: um, I'm kind of doing the same. Uh, you know, I, I have been, you know, doing what I do for a living, you know, for the better part of almost 20 years. Wow. Um, But, you know, for the last 10 years, I've been, you know, I work pretty much from home. Yeah. So this whole, you know, being at home, staying at home, this is, you're basically telling me what to do, what I've been doing. Yeah. Um, The only thing is I can't go to meetings now, and I can't go to, um, you know, restaurants or or you know, the beach or what have you, but, but primarily the rules have been just essentially just act like Danny for the the (laughs) the foreseeable future. Um, you know, so, so it, it has been great. Uh, You know, I, uh, I kind of just have been going with the flow and day by day. I mean, I'm assuming that's what a lot of people are doing, but I, uh, you know, it's, I've actually been pretty good and and I actually feel guilty for saying that. That's the no, worst I totally <laughs>
0: Yes, I understand because I also work from home. My boyfriend and I are excuse me you know we both do podcasts we both write so everything is done from home and it's not that different for me and but what makes me and like you said it's like it's almost like we're we're okay and we're fine what what bothers me though like is just what's out there and what's going to happen and how this is you know Mm -hmm. are we gonna if we don't find a vaccine um are we gonna have like for instance with the common cold we have found that zinc can like basically stop it in its tracks if you get it in time um mm-hmm. so maybe if we don't have a vaccine, maybe there's gonna be some kind of I don't know, pill or supplement or vitamin or something that might do the same. You know, what I mean I'm I'm taking odorless garlic, especially I mean, I take it every day, but I take it um specifically before I go out. to the only place I go is to the grocery store. Um and I don't know if it's gonna help, but I did read that garlic in like one they haven't tested it too much for the flu. Um, But I think in one test that they did it, I don't remember which it was NIH or a place like that, uh, that it did help with people who were experiencing um, pneumonia. So Hmm. since these, you know, since COVID and pneumonia have some similarities, you never know. It's it doesn't hurt. And I and I know that taking odorless garlic has helped me in the past avoid getting sick when I've been around sick people. So. You know, I don't know if we're going to be able to find anything that's like going to either stop it in its tracks. But it's like the scary thing is, is like we just keep hearing new information about how I mean, just recently an article came out about I think it was four kids in Boston had to be had to be hospitalized because like six weeks after they've had COVID. Then this new thing comes up, which I can't remember. It was something about Kawasaki something or toxic yes. shock. Syndrome and it could be fatal. Now that's rare, and it could be fatal, so it doesn't mean that it is. But still, it's like, oh my God, this is just like every time we turn around, there's more um, to be concerned about. So like, that's what, like the the quarantine itself isn't so hard. It's just hard, like in the fact that I can't see my mom, it that I can't, you know, uh, or that I don't know what's going to happen and the worry, you know, mm-hmm. like I hope someone I love doesn't, and someone I love does actually have it distant family member but you know she's been on a ventilator now for more than a week and we don't know what's going to happen so you know I mean it's just it's it's a lot it's a lot
1: yeah you know uh, I think what happens especially with you know with social media and the sharing of of so much news it's I've I've been I've been doing my best to like just kind of not be ignorant, but you know just kind of to ignore it because so many people are 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 just sending out so much information mm-hmm. to the point where it's like what's legit, what's not? I have no idea um, and i I look at it as you know until I hear it from a doctor, until I hear it from a scientist or something you know i i because I think i'll I'll just if I just keep reading things, I'm going to become overwhelmed. It's kind of like how I look at, you know, with, with even during political season, during the election season, it's, it's, it's just so overwhelming with so much information that is out there. Yeah. Well, Um, definitely
0: experts and medical personnel are the ones that I trust the most, but yeah, there's all kinds of stuff coming down and, you know, you, you hear stories that freak you out, but social media does, it's something, it's like saturation, you know, it's just so yeah, much information. And, and,
1: I, and I think what happens a lot with social media is that sometimes either people read the story, or, or they, or, or most often just will retweet it without even reading it. Yeah. And it, you, you, you can feel that you can just sense the dread, the doom, and <laughs> the panic. And mm-hmm. it's like I just want to reach out to them and say, calm down. Mm-hmm. You know, just, 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 just relax. You know, it's, 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 it's almost like a that impulse reaction. If I have to share something almost immediately and, 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 and let everyone know that, you know, the world is on fire. Um, and you know, for, for someone like me, I actually, you know, to go back to your garlic, you know, I had, uh, an issue with my stomach that, and, and I think it was around 1995, that the doctors did not know what it was. Um, eventually they did find out what it was but it it was freaking me out cuz they couldn't figure figure out why i lost 40 pounds in oh, 3 wow. months yeah and but because of that it freaked me out so much that i developed a kind of uh almost like an ocd to germs mm-hmm. um i mean i i considered myself a germaphobe um and it got really really bad at one point i wasn't it wasn't like ocd like you know, I, I had to leave the door, you know, before I left the house, I had to touch the, the doorknob five times yeah. or else the world would, you know, <laughs> explode. Right. It, it, it was, it was, it was more of, you know, Oh, you just sneezed behind me. Um, you just gave me a terminal illness, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was, it, it, it was, it, it was kind of yeah. like that. And, 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 uh, and, I tell people the worst that it ever got was at the time I was going to college, uh, and, there was a guy in my class who was sitting right next to me and just just nonchalant telling me that he had the stomach flu. and I don't know what in my power did not cause me to murder him right there. Um, and the bottom line was I had to st- I stayed in the class, but I was suffering from anxiety like, oh my god, i'm gonna I'm gonna you know get really sick. it's gonna you know the world's gonna end, whatever it is. And I actually went home. Uh, and to or to the place where i was living and i went to the laundry room which was in the garage i stripped down of all my clothes threw it in the wash i took my backpack emptied its contents threw it in the wash i took my clipboard that i used to write stuff on and i i pretty much that with my pencils just doused it and disinfected hmm. i mean like there's no i mean no sign of any kind of germ at all. And it got to the point that that day it was like, okay, you need help. Yeah. You need to start doing things. And I remember there was during this time, there was, you know, I, I was, I was getting help, but I was dating this girl and she told me, cause I, I was still kind of recovering from this whole mm-hmm. uh, germophobia, whatever we want to call it. And she told me that her brother every day has been taking zinc. And I go, well, what does that do? Well, it's like he he never gets sick. And like, what do you I go? It's impossible. And she's well just try it and see what happens. And since the late nineties, I have taken before and I I've maybe missed it a couple times a year. I don't do it often. Mm-hmm. Since the mid nineties, I I've been taking zinc every day. And if I'm lucky uh or, or I mean, if I mean, the worst thing that can happen is you'll get like the common cold for a few days mm-hmm. uh, once a year. And there are also times there are years where I won't get a cold.
0: Right. Yeah. Like
1: I, last year, I got a cold for the first time. I think like in 18 months.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. You know, and I live with I live with two my you know my wife and my two daughters. So it's like you know they're sick all the time. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I hey, won't, they should take and, zinc. And, and, and I,
1: <laughs> right. And, and 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 I don't catch what they have. And what awesome. stinks is during this time. I can't find zinc anywhere because oh, everyone's right. taking it. Everyone's taking these things. Yeah. I just had to order. I I just ordered and got some from Amazon because I can't find it in the local stores around me. Yeah. Whether it's Target, whether it's like at my local grocery stores or a Rite Aid or a Walgreens, they're they're gone. Yeah, because people are now turning into me or turning into <laughs> what I was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God! Well, you know what? Let me just back up here because um, I introduced you in the intro, but you are a publicist and you work in PR. So we have met on Twitter and you actually helped me get a few interviews. So first of all, thank you. And, um, okay. you know, you're, you've got a great feed. I know our mutual friend, Hazel McAdam loves you. And so I'm going to have to give her a shout out to say hi, but she's such a sweetheart. She's so funny and cute and sweet and I just adore her. Um, she was so happy to hear that you were going to be on the show, and so you know you you don't talk so much about politics, and you focus mm-hmm. a little bit more on the positive. So, I just want to give up you know heads up to my audience that we're going to be talking about things that aren't necessarily political, although we will get into Me Too, and um, we will get into a couple of things that are like um, maybe civil rights type of stuff, but. Um but first we're just gonna focus on some of the cool stuff. So, so before we even get started, before I talk to you about your choice to be more positive in social media, um I wanna find out like how did you get okay, first of all, you live in Los Angeles, correct? Mm-hmm. And um I used born to live and, li- raised. and I, I used to live there, so I'm a little jealous. <laughs> I mean, that's like I, I live in Maryland now. I was born in Maryland, I lived in Maryland until I was um nine years old. And then my mom Mm -hmm. decided she wanted to move to Los Angeles. So we moved there and I lived there all the way up until 2009. Then I moved to Northern California. And then in 2018, my boyfriend and I moved back to Maryland because my mother moved back to Maryland and my whole family's here. So I am around my family, even though I can't see them right now. And I would say that I'm close to DC so I do enjoy that, and I and I really do enjoy fall and winter. You know, most people hate winter because it's cold and bitter. Although this winter it was fine, but um, I mean, we did we only had like one snow, and it could have been, in my opinion, it could have been more wintry. I would have been happier to have more snow, um, <laughs> because you know, living in Los Angeles for so, I basically grew up there. Um, I and because I had been raised here, uh, fall I just ached for it. So I love, love, love that time of year. But you know, you get California in your soul and it never leaves and there's always going to be a longing for it. And I may move back one day. I don't know, but that's not on the schedule right now. So I'm jealous of you. And I just had to point that out. But um, I'm wondering, like, you know, I've never talked to anybody like you before. I've never talked to a publicist, but I'm curious. I used to be an actress and I was I did the Hollywood thing for about 10 years. I worked on days of our lives as a police officer. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I mean, I never obviously hit the big time, but I got a few roles here and there and I went to parties and I, I hobnobbed <laughs> with, with some of the rich and famous. <laughs> and, um, but I'm just wondering like, w- how did you get into it? And what's it been like for you?
1: You know, I, when I was younger, um, when I realized that I would never become the second baseman for the New York Yankees, <laughs> uh which was rather quick um i wanted to do one of two things i either wanted to be a sports play-by-play guy or a sports anchor but i also liked the pr side because i am you know you know i'm I, i'm a fairly old soul and i love old movies and one thing about old movies that that fascinated me like i'm a tcm junkie
0: mm-hmm. and but when i was younger
1: i always was fascinated like there would always be like this like slimy like pr guy like this <laughs> guy yeah. buddy like like who's always trying to give off ideas you know he was always kind of like the the the, the third wheel in, in the entire movie um kind of like uh uh fred astaire's uh mate in, in uh, holiday Inn with Bing crosby you know it's like how he's trying to you know always trying to find some kind of motive but yeah i was always fascinated by that and fascinated by you know you know, some guy putting like uh, you know something in Variety, reads something, and their 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 publicist says or something says like that always intrigued me. Hmm. That being said, I, I I actually was on my way to working in in uh, becoming an anchor. Um, I worked at I lived in the Bay Area for a few years, and mm-hmm. I worked at the CBS affiliate KPIX, uh, and I was training to become a sports anchor. And I actually got a job interview of all places. Uh, in Jonesboro, Arkansas, for a station called, yeah, for a station called KAIT. And when I was doing the, when I, you know, it was was pretty much, I I pretty much had the job. And at the time I wasn't married. Uh, I was, I was with my wife, but I was, you know, we were just boyfriend and girlfriend at that point in time, but we're living in San Francisco at a time where it was the dot com rise and the fall was like right around the corner. Mm -hmm. And so we were living in a little studio Uh, I think we were paying like 1100, somewhere between 11 and 1200 for the studio. Hmm. Um, and so I wasn't making that much money at KPIX. I was a field producer, you know, still doing little things here and there. I was writing on the, you know, I was writing for the news. I was doing assignment desk work, but I, I, it wasn't enough money for me to justify, you know, moving on up. And, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously if I became a sports anchor, that would help. But when I remember the one thing I remember most of the about the call was they told me you know I have to find where Jonesboro was. It wasn't Little Rock, but I mean like where the <laughs> heck is Jonesboro? And I remember them telling me, um, the, the things that I would cover. And the one thing that they told me I would cover is you would be covering you you would be taking a Cessna airplane to cover Tennessee Titan games, and that was like the red flag right there because I don't do propellers.
0: Oh right. And yeah.
1: And I would, I would never, I I just, I mean, I'm sure I would get over it, but at that point in time, it was just like, no.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: I thought about it. It's like, look, if I do this, my wife is, you know, my girlfriend's going to be left alone here, you know, the, which is fine. I mean, she could handle herself, but it's like, how much money will she be making? Mm-hmm. How much money will I be making? Is it worth it? Mm-hmm. And I was at that point in time, I was kind of getting disenchanted with news a little bit, even though I still love the rush of election season. I still love breaking news mm-hmm. and, and all these different things. But eventually I just said no. And then I wanted to move to back home. This is, I was going to school in San Francisco. Uh, I, I went to San Francisco, San Francisco State University, which whose mascot is essentially an alligator with a backpack. <laughs> uh, I'm not kidding. Look up, look up the Golden Gators, and you will get a, a, a smiling alligator with a backpack. And, and we, so I knew that if I transitioned to, to to LA to stay in news, I would be getting a freelance gig, and it just would not. It, it just wouldn't make sense. So it's like I had to look for something bigger. And so that's when I kind of said, you know what, you've always wanted to kind of get into PR and learn more about it why you know, and I dealt with PR people all the time. Why don't you go and you know, start heading into PR? And so that's what I did and about it took me about so we're looking... I mean this is right after nine eleven. Mm-hmm. So it took me about I mean, we it was we we moved in March of two thousand two. I didn't get a job in PR until August. Um so it took about five months for me to get a job and eventually uh, the place where I was at, you know, it was phenomenal. It was a place called on the scene productions. Uh, it was a electronic publicity company where eventually I became the, you know, I was the head of the publicity department and, you know, and then when the company eventually folded, that's when I kind of opened up my own shop.
0: Hmm. Wow. And so like, how did, how do you get famous people? Like, what is it? Do you contact them? Are they looking for you? How does that work?
1: It is, you know, it's bananas. Um, You know, when you, you know, I've worked with, when I was at the last company, you know, you work with a lot of, you know, various companies, you know, side by side, uh, and you eventually make connections. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I, when the company I was with Folded, it was almost like I was lucky and I was fortunate that, you know, I had some companies stay with me. You know, I was doing consumer and entertainment PR at the time, and... Uh bless them forever and ever, uh, you know, Toys R Us, who was our client, I mean, since I got there, so 2002 or 2003, they said, you know what, I understand what's going on, but we're not doing anything without you because hmm. of the success that you've given us over the years. And they were my, and they were my client until 2000, uh, when, when, they go under 2017, 2018, yeah. they stayed with me until then, wow. you know, and I'll never forget them for that. Um, but that being said, I I did have clients like that, but little by little, I started, you know, I, I made a name for myself, but, you know, social media wasn't what it was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, yeah, Facebook, yeah. I mean, Twitter was, it was fun, but it wasn't like, it wasn't what Facebook was at the time. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't meeting people through Facebook, but, you know, I started slowly making a name for myself on Twitter and, 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 and meeting people. And, and little by little, I just started making, I just started making friends but the majority of these people reached out to me
0: for PR That's awesome. or, or or help, and I and
1: and and I knock on wood, you know, a lot of these folks have, you know, it's word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Like I hear you're good at what you do. Let's talk. Yeah, you know. So I, I've been lucky. But now, what's I have to admit it, or I've been admitting it for a while. <laughs> I Shouldn't say now. But but most of my roster is Twitter based. Interesting. And that yeah, it it, it it's you know I. I, I represented, um, God, for how long was it? Three or four, five years. I forget. I, I, I represented Tony winner, Laura Bonanti, which a lot of people, uh, you know, know me in the Broadway world, know me for that. Uh, but I do represent a lot of Broadway actors, but that being said, you know, she was a friend because she was, a, she was a mutual friend of, of, uh, another actor, a, a friend of mine who's now on claws on TNT. Um, that wasn't intended to be a plug, by the way. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, and and I and I remember, you know, we both followed each other on Twitter, and she was in Sound of Music Live, the you know that everyone kind of like hate watched together. But mm-hmm. you know, Laura and like uh, you know Audra, they were they were the two people who got like the best reviews from that. And I and I remember when it was over, I congratulated her on like via DM, and that led to a conversation. Like and she can congr- and she responded to me like five seconds that she got off the stage. So essentially, this hmm. is the equivalent of, you know, it's one o'clock in the morning. I just sent AD Bryant a text on SNL, and she's and, and, and she says thank you at at one o one. And we have a conversation. So it's like she just yeah. It made it made no sense. It was weird. And eventually, you know, we started working together. A lot of great stuff was happening, and that you know that opened the door to like oh look Laura's doing great work random Broadway actors are coming to me asking for publicity through Twitter or through whatever it was. So it's all word of mouth. It just all just kind of bounces off one another. And, 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 you know, you get known for doing one thing and all of a sudden someone reaches out to you for another. So that's, you know, that's kind of like how it just worked for me. That's so interesting.
0: It's interesting because, you know, I mean, I was an actor for about 10 years and, you know, and I think I can look back on my experience and even though I had some success, like I said, I wasn't a big deal or anything, but Um, I can, I can kind of understand that my mindset might have gotten in the way because I've always dealt with body image issues and hatred, like body hatred, and I'm tall and I'm big boned, and even when I've been slender, I've always, you know, been bigger than everybody else. I mean, when I worked on Days of Our Lives, I was (laughs) taller than most of the men. I'm six feet tall, so there were a few who were six feet tall, but. Because I also have, like, I very broad shoulders, and, you know, I wear a size 11 shoe, so it's like I'm not small, and most of the women were, like, 5'2", five 5'3", five and petite, and um, so I always felt very insecure, and I think that that really got in the way of me I mean I think it got in the way literally in that, you know, people looked at me and they didn't know what to do with me. But I also think that it got in my way because I got in my own way. But what's fascinating yeah. is because, you know, I mean I, I I studied and I took it seriously and I was a good actor. And, you know, I mean, obviously there were times where I wasn't as good, you know, the I had mentioned on I think it was yesterday's show. Um I don't remember. But anyway, the last I, I was in my acting studio for graduated two and a half years doing the Meisner technique. And then we stayed on, I stayed on for like another six or so years in what was called the professional level where we would have casting directors and agents visit our studio and like they would come with copy and they would pair us up and we'd have 15 minutes to rehearse and then we would perform for them. And then basically it's the kind of thing where if you like our work, you call us in. So I did that. And the last time I int- did any kind of audition like that f- in my studio, I had just started taking birth control because I was also dealing with like mild to moderate acne. So when I took birth control, I gained 15 pounds. And when mm-hmm. I gained, f- you know, my face cleared up, but, but I was heavier and I was kind of just beaten down. I was burnt out. I was beaten down. And I did this, this um, in, uh, audition for the dude who cast NYPD blue. And I just sucked. I wasn't good. I was like phoning it in. I was just not even mentally there. And that's actually the, the time I decided to, to leave acting altogether. And I thought I was going to come back to it, but I just, I couldn't bring myself to fucking sit in another agent's office and get another photo shoot. I just didn't want to do it anymore. So now, um, you know, all these years, you know, then for like 10 years, I was in sales and I did outside mm-hmm. sales and I pretty much figured that would be my life. And then in the middle of that, in 2004, I got this idea and said to my mom, just like on a whim, I'm like, wouldn't it be interesting to um, hear a bunch of people's first-time sex stories? And that led to a conversation which actually led to a book. It took about six years. We finally got, we self-published it in 2010, and it's called The Virgin Diaries. So The Virgin Diaries led to another book, led to my political activism and feminist like feminism online Um, which all led to me talking to you right now and building up, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, I was, I was a spokesperson for (laughs) rock the slut vote. I was a, I was a spokesperson and media director for we are woman. And I was able to get a blue check. I had to
1: break there. I I thought you were going to say I was the slut. (laughs) Well,
0: I was the slut. (laughs) (laughs) I am a proud slut. (laughs) But, you know, but it's like one thing led to another and here I am. And the thing is, is like, okay, when I did it the traditional way of, you know, not that I'm acting now because I'm not, but I mean, I'm able to get a hold of people like I've interviewed Vincent D'Onofrio and I've interviewed Kristen Johnston. It's all because of Twitter and it just freaking blows my mind that you can. You know, the blue check helps because the blue check tells these people, okay, this person has yeah. been verified and we know that they're, they're just not some Yahoo. So um, not to say that y- you can't be a Yahoo if you have a blue check, but at least it right. makes it makes people who are famous feel more comfortable dealing with you and take you a little bit more seriously. And that's how I've been able to get people like, I mean, I interviewed Joe Walsh, not the musician, the guy running for president. I interviewed Steve Schmidt and I've interviewed some really I mean, uh, Gloria Allred, which was a weird interview, but still. And and she came to me. (laughs) so it was, it was a weird interview, but she did come to me, so it's like, I think it's fascinating that you bring up, like, you're, you're getting clients through Twitter, and you're able to network, and it's like, this is such a different time, because back in, you know, in the 90s, when I was pursuing an acting career, of course, I did it all, you know, the way that you're supposed to, you get your headshots, you know, and I didn't have any inside connections in the industry, so I didn't really have that benefit, but I just went the traditional route, and, um, So it's fascinating to me to find out that, you know, you're able to expand your client base and your name through Twitter as I am able to do the same. I mean, I don't have a client base, but I'm certainly able to, you know, get some people like you too to interview and you helped me get Liz Winstead and, um, you know, it's just fascinating to me that Twitter is, you know, like the difference to me between Twitter and Facebook even though I hate Mark Zuckerberg with a fierce... He... he, he uh, Well, he didn't. But I had a thriving, thriving Facebook page with like 5,000 friends. I was verified. I had 16,000 followers. And Facebook shot me down. And that was in 2018. So I really... just have resentment for them. And it was a long story, but it was basically, I was caught up with a lot of people who were doing what I think it's Newsmax is doing right now, which is basically, you know, working with a coalition of other bloggers and who had very large political Facebook pages. And so we would share each other's work and Facebook said, no. So they shut us all down and it was just, it was like, Oh my God, it like freaked me out because that was my income stream and it went away overnight. It was just like in a blink of an eye, it was gone. So, um, but with, with Facebook aside from Mark Zuckerberg, um, to me that's just like everyday people where, you know, everyday people get together and they talk about stuff. But when you go to Twitter, you can literally talk to the president. You can, he may not talk back, right? But you can have conversations with Ted Cruz And, you know, you can actually, you know, get into it with people, good or bad. And it's just this huge, like, platform where people are interacting. And it's just, it's fascinating, which I've said three times now.
1: And I I enjoy it because, you know, it provides a human element, you know, to people. I mean, really to all of us, but, you know, to people who, you know, may have some sort of notoriety. You know, it provides a human element that, that you know, we've never seen before. Yeah. And, and as, as long as entertainment has been, you know, an option how, you know, this whole Hollywood culture and so forth, it, it provides a different avenue for people which mm-hmm. are, are different vibe, a whole different feeling. And which is, I think is fantastic. I've, I've been saying for years, you know, I'm, I'm not big on Facebook anymore. I, I mean, it gets to the point where I think I'm done now where, I mean, I still have my account. I don't really check it. I don't really post um, I actually delete my old statuses from like 2009 and 2010 <laughs> because they're so stupid, uh, 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 you know. And but I have been saying for years, I go, Facebook is a place that hate that that where where I learned to hate the people I love, <laughs> and Twitter and, and, and Twitter is the place where I love the people I don't know. Yeah, and 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 that's how I've always felt, you know. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I mean, I used to like, you know, I used to on, on my feeds, I used to post Facebook, I, I used to post like political stuff. And then, and then, you know, I think that's where I kind of, you know, stopped doing that, you know, after a while, it's like, what am I doing? You know? Um, and, and where I stopped doing that. And I think that's kind of what transformed my Twitter feed in a way too, where, where, you know, because because I realize it's like when you're just so like-minded and, and, mm-hmm. and so forth. I feel like I'm transitioning now from what we were originally talking about. <laughs> That's okay. Um, it, you know, it, it just, I just I just I just I just hated looking at Facebook and just it, you know I mean you see the worst of people on Twitter too, but mm-hmm. on Facebook it's just like yeah, I mean it's it's it, it's just it. It's kind of like the – it's almost like the like the uncle that comes over to your house that you don't want coming over. And you're yeah. just like
0: – And you can't make him leave. Like on Twitter, it's easier for uh, me to ignore. It's just easier yeah. for me to ignore people that are trolls. I think there's a little bit more intimacy on Facebook. And so it, like for instance, there are certain things that I just will not talk about. I'll talk about it on Twitter and I cringe a little bit when I do. Um, but I will not talk about it on Facebook because – Somebody comes along who's my friend, and I say that in air quotes because I you know I don't know this person, but still they're my friend, and they might have whatever concern and, and then i and I feel like I have to address it, whereas on Twitter, if it's just a you know if it's just some person that I don't know, I can either just give them a sarcastic comment, which I love doing, or I can ignore them, and it's just much easier, but it seems to me i don't know there's this different thing on on Facebook, but you know you talk about the fact that you like to keep things positive. And I've noticed, um, you know, you post a lot of those really fun videos, which I have to say, during, I mean, no matter what, I'm always going to love the fun videos, whether it's the kids or the dogs or the cats or whatever. Um, But especially in these times, especially the animal videos and the funny children videos, really, and that's not all you post, but I've noticed, you know, I mean, you just have this fun feed of, crazy fun videos and it helps because we're inundated with all of this negativity and all, and, and I'm right there with it. You know, I mean, I'm a, I've got a political voice and concern and I can't stop myself, but at the same time, we all need a break from it. And so it's good to, um, you know, see these kinds of fun videos. And so, um, you know, you say that you like to clear out the muck in your Twitter feed and you choose not to talk about politics. So like, what brought you to that?
1: I remember I saw a meme that my friend Mel, she posted a long time ago um, on Facebook, actually. Um, And it was a meme of President Obama from the back, from, from the, from his backside talk, you know, talking to a mass group of, you know, just whoever's there to listen. I mm-hmm. mean, it was like a lot of thousands of people. And and, and then there was, and, and there was a side-by-side picture of an empty auditorium. And I remember going, you know, seeing that, and, and I believe the caption on the meme said, what I think I'm doing on Facebook <laughs> where Obama was speaking, what's really happening mm-hmm. you know and i go you're absolutely right you know it's like but because if you really think about it you know and, and, I, and i used to post some political stuff and i'd get into little fights with my with family members and so forth and the few conservative friends that i had at the time um you know which i still have plenty of conservative friends but i realized you know what the majority of the people who are on my t- who are on my timeline you know on twitter or on Facebook, mm-hmm. they think like me. They pretty—I mean, politically, mm-hmm. you know. I, I mean, some people are going to love Beyonce. I'm not. You know, it's like it's not my type of music. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm a rock and roll, jazz, you know, punk rock, heavy metal <laughs> guy. I'm not gonna—I'm not gonna listen to to manufactured pop music. Yeah, it's not me. Me neither. Um, and but that being said, you know, when it comes to politics majority of the people I hang out with think exactly like me. Yeah. So it's all, I mean, I, so I call it choir preaching. It's like, guess what? President Trump is an asshole. Fine. <laughs> if I retweet, I mean like, but you, if I think it, you're going to think it mm-hmm. and so-and-so is going to think it. I'm not going to change any minds by saying that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't, I don't even mean Trump in this. I mean, like, I mean, even the opposite, you know, I didn't like president Obama. Oh, if I'm a conservative, everyone else, yes, me too, blah, blah, blah. okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Now what? Right. Nothing. <laughs> so, y- y- you know, oh my gosh, you know, like, look what so-and-so did today. Okay. It could, <laughs> are, are you still going to go to eat dinner later on? Are you still going <laughs> mean, to, you know, so it got to a point, it, it's just like, you know, because okay, so I'll you know because I hang out with more of of, of a left leaning crowd. You know, I mean, I, I don't I don't block my conservative friends or mute. I mean, obviously I can't block them. Yeah. I don't mute them, you know, or whatever. But it's like, look, whatever is happening in this world, you know, it, you know, whoever is in office, not everyone's gonna like this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're seeing something that is completely unreal right now mm-hmm. and just like bizarre. But at the same time, you know. COVID aside, you know what's what's mm-hmm. happening right now, it's it, it doesn't stop you from doing at least COVID does. But I mean like from before this happened, it doesn't stop you no matter no, no matter who's in office. It doesn't stop you from certain things that are happening unless something is completely taken away. You're still going to go out and go to work. You're mm-hmm. still going to go out and 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 you know, watch TV or go to a ball game, go to a concert, go do whatever. Your life is not going to change because of something stupid. I mean, the power that we all have is the power that we have in November. And that's all we can do. Mm -hmm. You know, we can raise our voices. That's great. But you know what? That's also not who you are. I mean, who you are is what you do. You know, you can get angry at the president or angry at something political. That's one minute of your day. The rest of the day is pretty pleasant. I mean, Mm -hmm. we all eat, you know, we all love to eat. We all love to drink. We all love to sleep. We all love to listen to music. We all love to look at you know, puppy dogs and, you know, whatever, whatever the heck they're doing. But at the same time, it's, that's really who we are, not what really what our politics are. You know, our politics are, I mean, it's part of it, but it's not the majority of it. And so it got to the point where it's like, with my feed, okay, like, I'm not going to talk about this stuff because that's all it does is bring agony, you mm-hmm. know, and it, and it brings Look, I can look at your feed, Kimberly, for example.
0: I, I, all
1: the way from California, I can I – can, I, I mean I, I can feel your dread. Mm-hmm. I, I can – I feel it. I, I, like, I feel, like, and you're, but you're not the only one where it's like I can see it's like, oh my god, what is the president doing now? Not that you sound like that. <laughs> but it's like – but I, I can feel that off people. Mm-hmm. you know I, th- I think one of the things that my father's given me is, is 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 people reading skills i not that he taught it to me, but I think it's we, we both have it on common. My dad's a human resources guy, and I can sense everything when when there's that dread mm-hmm. when there's that when there's that feeling of doom and i can fee- i can get the feeling when someone just someone can dm me on twitter and just say danny and and I go what's wrong mm-hmm. you know it's like i just i just know but you know that it, that is what I wanted to get away from. You know, I want I want people to see the joy that they that that, that is out there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I and and how capable we are of creating good, but we're so anxious to share the bad news. We're mm-hmm. so so anxious to let everyone know uh, what we disagree with. I've never retweeted the president. I've uh, you know, ever. You know, the only way he comes in my feed is when other people retweet back yeah. to so the point where I had to mute it. And not mute the the person who's tweeting it, but mute the president, Mm -hmm. so I don't have to see it. You know, it's like, why? You know, because he's going to say something dumb every single day. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay. You know, it's like, I mean, if anything, it's fantastic PR for him.
0: Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. He does get, he gets a lot of uh, attention from a lot of people. I want to say one thing, like, I want to agree with you, and then I want to not counter you, but just come up with a different perspective. So. Basically, I think it's good that there are a number of people out there. Like, I think his name is Rex Chapman. Um, he posts a lot of really fun, positive stuff and mm-hmm. videos too. And so I look forward to those feeds because, um, yeah, I do. I mean, and, and if you've ever read my pinned profile tweet, I had the opportunity to live in Soviet Russia when I was 12. And so I believe that I have you know, I mean, I was 12. I was in seventh grade. So it wasn't like I was um, an expert on on Soviet Russia. But because I had that experience, and I lived there, and I understand um, (coughs) the, it was like living in a prison. I mean, for me, it was (coughs) like living in a prison with privileges, because I was American. Um, The apartment that we lived in was nicer than an an average Russian's apartment. Um, I got to shop in nicer grocery stores. But I still, because my father was a correspondent as opposed to a diplomat, diplomats got more privileges, like the diplomat kids got to take an American school bus to school, which at the time I coveted, but I had to take Russian transportation. And, you know, I was a little resentful of it when I was that age, but now I look back and I feel like, wow, I really got such an authentic experience living there. And, you know, my dad and stepmom and I would go to the farmer's market on Saturdays and we would, you know, instead of, I know that, like, the American embassy had a commissary that correspondents and their kids weren't allowed to shop in. And I know they had things like Coke and Snickers and um, pizza, frozen pizzas, which, you know, Russian food is very different. But I got the opportunity to experience that Russian food. But this is all to say that I had a very – the experience that I had living there – gave me such a, a, a wonderful education that I almost at this point in the game wish I didn't know because there was, and I've talked about it numerous times on my show, where there was such a coldness and you knew there was a danger if you spoke out. There, were, there was a cop on every corner. There were cops monitoring my house. They would come into our apartment. When we weren't there. I used to set up little traps for them with hair like around a doorknob or something and it'd be broken when I got home. So when I see Vladimir Putin... And what he's doing, and understand that he's coming from a Soviet mindset, yes, I do feel dread considering he won the 2016 election. So what I want to say basically is that the counter is that while I do totally agree that we need certain personalities out there who have higher profiles that are focusing on positive stuff, I want to say like part of my, um, and we're going to talk about this in a second, I want to ask you about your work on this, but I discovered in 2012 that the ERA hadn't passed. And so mm-hmm. it be- I became an advocate for it. And um, I just realized the other day, because I'm, I'm all into, I'm starting to work with the law of attraction and manifesting and cause we all manifest our lives no matter what. But, you know, I want to be more deliberate in it. And so back in 20, I guess, 13 or 14, I was really, really gung ho about wanting to find a celebrity, specifically a female celebrity who was good looking, articulate and passionate to talk about the ERA and I was writing open letters to Oprah Winfrey and trying to find that person. And eventually I, 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 I just stopped trying to find that person. And then in 2017, I was in a DM group with Alyssa Milano and I was hoping that she would see my message because I was messaging this man, Renato Mariotti, who was running for attorney general in Illinois. And that was the DM group I was in. And I was, you know, letting him know, hey, there there's a group in Illinois of ERA advocates. Maybe you want to get in touch with them. And, you know, my message, which, again, I I was like, please let Alyssa see this. Please let Alyssa see this. And she did. And she's like, what is this? And I gave her a brief paragraph and she said, I'm going to make this my new mission. And then I I was like dancing around my apartment and I said, you know, I said, "Okay, I will send you an email off, you know, out of here and I'm just going to give you all the information that I've accumulated over the years. And then what did she do? She did exactly what I had visualized a couple of years later, she was exactly that person, smart, articulate, good looking. And, mm-hmm. and I say good looking just because people respond favorably to good looking people. And I felt like it would be a plus to have someone who was good looking. So she was good looking and, you know, I mean, she was just one of the many people um, who became an advocate, but she had such a high profile. And the other thing that I want to say is that when I was, okay, I wrote the Virgin Diaries, which is a collection of, first time sex stories. And I got an email from this girl on Facebook and said, I read your book and it completely changed my life. And she just basically went into this whole thing of um, how she was terrible family and she got into prostitution, her aunt or something had like pushed her into prostitution. And when she read the Virgin diaries, she said, I didn't realize that there were so many other ways to experience sex and it completely changed her perspective on life. And then I wrote a book called American Woman, The Poll Dance, Women in Voting, where I really emphasized how important it is to vote. And because of that, she, I think it was in 2018, messaged me and said, I am so, for the first time in my life, I am so fully prepared um, where I know every proposition, every candidate, and I got I'm ready to go. And so... I totally get what you're saying as far as, you know, Trump says something stupid and then we all react to it. But I think there is an importance about making sure people know what's happening because while you're correct that it can be a minute of our day where we get pissed off, I think back to when um, Trump announced that there would be like these roving, um, I don't know, ICE agents who are going to be looking for people who were here illegally. And so there are let's say, in in a given household, there's five people, maybe they're from Mexico or maybe they're from Armenia or wherever they're from, and one of those people who live in that house is not yet a citizen. And so all the people who lived in that house were freaking out, and there were reports that they, like, left. They just bolted because they were terrified that they were going to be going to jail or had to go to ICE or something (coughs) like that. So it's like, I think that it's, also important even though while I totally agree with you that we don't necessarily have to comment on everything he does um, understanding what's going on is crucial to get the vote out
1: I, I, I absolutely agree um, you know but I think you you also hit the nail on the head it's commenting on everything yeah and that's that's the problem that I that I have I mean, and, and it's and it doesn't matter who's talking. It's really, um, it's it's really just making a making a crossover. A anything, you know, the guy, yeah. you know, the guy <laughs> will write pencil, and people will go, "What do you <laughs> mean by pencil?" You know, what do you? you know, I mean, it's, just, it, it's it's it, it, he he, you know, and and it's and it's not necessarily just just him, you know. It's it's. It, it, I mean, it can be anybody talking about anything where you know we, we, we have to find a comment or you know we want to find something wrong with, with pretty much anything that's going on
0: Yeah and that's absolutely um, true. Yeah. That totally happens because I see it all the time where it's like people are just I mean look I think a lot of us are so freaked out right now and then social media can exacerbate that because there are so many people who are looking to um, pick a fight or get you get you engaged in something negative. Um, so yeah, that it's, it's definitely exacerbated and I will agree with you. I mean, I think I, I I see the pros and the cons. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you look at my feed, you know, you know, you know, I, I post fun videos of whatever they are, but you know, people know me because I talk about hummus all the time because I'm obsessed with it. Be- being a Lebanese, who isn't obsessed you know, with um, it army. <laughs> you know, I I have a middle I have a Middle Eastern heritage, so it's you know automatically I you know it's it's, it's a passion of mine. So yeah. that's why I get all angry when I see the bastardization <laughs> of a culture. Yes. That being said, you know, um, you know, and I and I talk a lot about absurdity, but like let you know but that things that are happening to me that are funny. Um, but you know, I'll post a video like one of these animal videos, like let's say you know it it can be just look like, at like like there's the one I posted that exploded of of um what was it? Oh, it was, it was, it was a monkey being, being, you know, leading its, its human, a human to the this top of a tower mm-hmm. and it and, and ended up, it's, it's my pin tweet because I can't believe this stupid tweet got over. I mean, millions of people liked it, you know, just because of that. And it got like almost, I think like 1.5 million likes. I mean, the president's never had any president wow. has never had 1.5 million likes on something. And I, and I think it's, and I think it's bananas, but I'm looking so, at
0: it right sad. now. It's so cool.
1: Yeah. And, it, and it's, and it's, and my sarcasm, I think I said something like proof of evolution. I'm like, you know, right there, you know, yeah. th- that's bananas. Because I mean, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Aww. You know, I'm not making anything of it. Right. You know, the majority of the people, 90% of the people loved it. But then you have that small percentage <laughs> like, this is an evolution. Evolution a hoax. And, like, <laughs> right. I'm like, I, and I think I respond to some people I go, do you not understand hyperbole? You know, it's, 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 and, like, you'll get that all – I get that all the time. Or it could be, like, an – like, I had, a, I had one of an otter who was asking, you know, I don't know where the otter was, you know, and it was, like, petting its head – like, is asking the human to pet its head, you know? And it's, like – and all the people, like, like you know, when I post these videos, like, like like Yasha Ali will slide in my DMs, never says hello, never says anything, and he's, like – don't you know where this is happening? You know, or you know, people are going to be stealing these animals. I'm like, dude,
0: you know what? <laughs> I didn't make the video. You know, or, or 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 you know,
1: this this has nothing. I mean, look look at an otter acting like us. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than saying, I don't know where it is. It could be at a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. It could be
0: hurt. I, I'm
1: I'm not into the politics of that. Obviously, I will never show anything
0: harmful. Right.
1: But people will find anything.
0: That's true. And that's anything, absolutely true.
1: For any reason. I go, it's an otter. Yeah. And he's asking a human to pet its head, something you will never see in your life <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> but you will find the fault with that.
0: Yeah. Well, it you know, is, my, boy, nice. my boyfriend likes uh, Batman, and he's like a Marvel Comics guy, I think. I don't even know. I know he's a self-proclaimed nerd. And, you know, he likes Star Wars and Star Trek, and his office is filled mm-hmm. with all of the paraphernalia. But anyway, he's just talked about, you know, he goes into those, um, like, the, the new Batman movie will come out, and then I guess there are chat mm-hmm. rooms for people, and he said it's insane, It's like worse than politics. The anger and it's like, Mm -hmm. it's just that the people need, it doesn't really have to, it really doesn't matter what you post because people are angry even in the best of times and they're just looking for a fight. And, you know, I mean, I absolutely, I mean, of course, I'm never going to stop posting about politics because I'm a little bit obsessed. And the funny thing is, is, you know, my mother always says, I can't believe you're doing this now because... I I think I really started paying attention to politics in 2000 with the whole hanging Chad thing. That was really Mm -hmm. what got my attention. And my mother has always been a political junkie, so she's in my ear. And when when Bush was when the Supreme Court decided that Bush should be president, that was like, oh, my God, she was freaking out. And she was always like talking about it. So I, I got an education. From listening to her, and then I slowly, slowly, you know, was paying more and more attention over the years. I'd watch Rachel Maddow. I w- I would watch Bill Maher. I no longer watch him, but, um, you know, until I'm I'm here. And and what really got me into it was women's issues. And I and the thing that that absolutely got me into it because I was just pursuing a career as a writer at the time as like an author. Um, Rush Limbaugh called Sandra Flick a slut for three days on his radio mm-hmm. program, and You know, it it took it wasn't just that it was it was that. And then sometime later, he went after a nutritionist and it was like, all right. And I was just like, because I'm very sarcastic. And and so I wrote an open letter to Rush Limbaugh from a liberal (coughs) slut from my blog. And that Mm. got me into the political arena, which I wasn't really trying to do. I just figured I write my blog. Actually, what I was trying to do, I wanted Rush Limbaugh to attack me. So my books would sell. <laughs> I just wanted people to know. <laughs> I was it's like trying. <laughs> and of course, he never paid any attention to me, but uh, a political blog did. And so I started writing for politics and then and I realized that I had, um, I don't know, like A message that resonated with people. And I've always been a feminist. I just haven't, I don't like walk into a room and go, I'm a feminist, but you know, on online, you can kind of do that. And I, and although right now my, I think I, I don't just focus on women's issues. I focus on everything, but um, you know, it's like, I think that it's important to be informed and to understand what's going on. But I think it's also important for most people who are not like me. I have to be online on and, and watch the news so I know what I'm talking about when I do a podcast and when I write an article. But I think for the average person who's just, you know, doing something else for a living and has a family and everything, um, it's not necessary to be caught up in all of the drama that you're talking about. So I absolutely mm-hmm. agree. And again, I think it's important to have... Um, People like you who are kind of offsetting all of the anger and screaming and negativity, even though you get it from certain people, because we're yeah. all I think we're all just kind of afraid right now. You know, I mean, if we've got now we've got COVID to deal with. And then, um, you know, just th- throughout this whole three years, it's been insane. And so, you know, I mean, I look at Trump and I don't see him as a normal president. I see him as somebody who is just absolutely destroying democracy. And if he wins again. Agreed um, we're, we're fucked, but you know, I'm hopeful. And I, and I look at what's going on with, you know, all the elections that we've had since he's been president and they've all been blue. And there've been a lot of women and a lot of LGBT and I'm hopeful that, you know, 2020 changes things, but just to like switch it around a little bit, I want to get back to that ERA thing, because you had mentioned that Mm -hmm. you have worked, uh, You know, in that area, and I'm just curious what have you done? Because I, before I even, uh, before you say anything, I just want to say that, you know, my experience with it, um, I got involved in 2012, and that's when we were three states short since then. um, Nevada ratified in 2017, Illinois ratified in 2018, and then we just had, uh, what is it, Virginia ratify. So it's all 38 states have been ratified. Now we just have to get through that hump of, well, we got to get through the election because if we get a blue Congress and we get a blue Senate, we're going to be able to um lift that or get rid of that or extend the deadline that was sure. attached and expired. So, what has what have you been doing? What's your experience with it?
1: You know, most of um you know, what I've done with the ERA. Um I you know, I I mean, I've always looked at the ERA as this iconic organization uh you obviously has been striving to do this phenomenal work and, and, you know, just the fact that they're pick, picking me or, or n- not just me, but I mean, that they've added me to their arsenal. I, it's such an honor. I mean, I, I, I can't even explain how, how, you know, you know, you know, first of all, you know, it, it came through, um, how it, ha- or how it happened, I should say is, I I became you know Twitter friends with Mira Sorvino and mm-hmm. she fought, decided to follow me on Twitter and I and I go and I said hey Mira I don't know if you remember me, you and I and it's funny <laughs> you and I did a PR campaign I think in two thousand like seven six eight one of those years I have no idea it's all hmm. they're all the same, but uh, but we did a PR campaign on on pet food. Together. It was like some some pet food campaign. She's like, oh, I still have the cat in that campaign. She remembered me. And and next thing I know, a week or two goes by. I get an email from from Noreen Farrell of the ERA and Mira is CC'd. And Mira has recommended me to work with the ERA. And Mira essentially just like boosted my profile. That boost mm-hmm. like like essentially um why can't I say the word? Um was right. lauding me for all these things right. and essentially and, and said, you need to work with Danny. And I was like, you know, I didn't ask for this. It was right. just like, oh, my God. Like, oh, wow. You know, I was completely taken aback by it. And I was working with them because
0: um, – I'm trying to think when
1: this happened.
0: Did you work, do you work happened- with the ERA Coalition?
1: Did I work with the ERA Coalition?
0: Yeah. Like, which organization – was- uh because i know I, like I work, there's i
1: work with the well i work with the with the california chapter
0: okay and, okay and, got
1: it and 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 in of the coalition but primarily focused on california okay um so i you know I, this was about i'm trying to think when the whole harvey Weinstein thing started happening that was I think in, it was like fall of, was, was that fall of yeah 2018? i think it was no it was
0: oh. fall it was 20, it was october 2017
1: 2017. That's right. So I would say about, you know, somewhere which, between five months in there, I was already doing a lot. I, you know, I, a lot of people say it. I don't know if I believe it because I don't like compliments about myself, but a lot of people say I'm like one of the first guys to kind of really speak out about, uh, you know, sexual harassment and, 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 and the workplace and be, and, you know, shouting out, you know, th- that's what I was. I was, I was vocal about that on Twitter mm-hmm. because this is things I saw all the time and And you know, especially hearing stories and dealing with actresses, you know, most of my work life. Mm-hmm. these are stories that I have heard, you know, whether it's Harvey or someone else. these are stories that I've heard. Um, and so I, it's it was obviously a passion, you know, and Mira obviously saw that, made the recommendation. So what happened was I was working on 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 uh, the the initiatives in California, uh, which was the first place that where it started. For these initiatives, uh, to to essentially look after people who have s- suffered sexual harassment in the workplace. Mm, so there okay. are a bunch of legislation uh, that was that was in the works of how to you know to prevent not just prevent to educate to to you know minimize uh, sexual harassment in the workplace. Uh, you know, it's removing statute limitations mm-hmm. and all and all of these different uh, all, all the different ideas that kind of went around it. And I think we, we were able to pass three of the five. And I think oh, cool. that was, I don't, I don't know what the reason was, but I think we're, they were going to bring the other two back, uh, with Gavin once he he came into office. Cause I know that I, cause I worked with Jennifer Seibel Newsom uh, as well. Uh, and I know it's something she's very passionate about. So I'm assuming that's eventually going to get passed. Mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know, whenever that is, especially, you know, he's kind of got other things on his mind
0: right Yeah, uh, <laughs>
1: yeah. That, that will, you know, that'll happen. But that is, that's how I got started hmm. with them. You know, I've always been passionate about, uh, women's issues. Um, you know, I've done a lot of, you know, female focused PR, you know, most of my clients are women, mm-hmm. uh, but I've done a lot of, you know, Feminist angled PR, you know, for quite some time. And, hmm. and I've always kind of been obsessed with it. You're probably going to laugh. Um, I, 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 like many people, you, you know, that are Gen Xers, uh, I was a huge fan of Schoolhouse Rock. Yes, me and too. I, I, <laughs> and I, and one of my favorite ones that nobody ever talks about <laughs> at all. You know, everyone's like, oh, I'm Mr. Bill. Great. You know, <laughs> I, I understand. I think that's one of the three that you know. I, I loved... Suffering till Suffrage, like wow. I, I loved it I don't even remember like, that. Suffering to Suffrage features okay, it's like this. I'm gonna guess she's like in her 20s at this point. She's probably like 80 now, uh-huh. but you know, she's uh. No, again, she's not real. Uh, but, you know, she, I remember she had this, this, you know, everyone in the 70s, like a lot of women had this crazy long hair, like mm-hmm. not Crystal Gale long, but like long, you know, like, right. thick and it was long, you know, kind of like Elizabeth from *Made is Enough. Yeah. It just went all the way down, went all the way down to, you know, to their butt. Yeah. And, uh, and it was big. And, you know, so she, I remember she had this hair. She had like this, like, she's kind of like Captain America. Where She had like this, like, long-sleeved midriff shirt with a star uh, on it, kind mm-hmm. of like a superhero, and then she had these long red bell bottoms that like, <laughs> just flared out. Like, and I was like, you know, visually, I always liked whatever it was about. Then I always like looking at bell bottoms like, <laughs> when they're in cartoon because they're because they're so crazy. Like, yeah. like, in, like the Beatles and Yellow Submarine. Why, <laughs> why are your shoes eight feet long? And you know, it's like it's just anyway. Um, and I, I was just obsessed by that. You know, the name Bella Abzug, just, I just love saying that name. Yeah. <laughs> I don't who the heck she was. I just like saying that name. And I always liked watching these documentaries, you know, that, that featured people like her. Or featured, mm-hmm. um, um, oh my God, I worked on the project and
0: now I can't even think <laughs> of it. Happens to me all the time.
1: It's oh got, my God. It's the
0: Gen X brains getting older it
1: is i'm looking at her face right now and i just and i totally did her documentary now i can't even think of it but you know uh you know betty Friedan or um um you know i would love watching these old pbs documentaries of you know women just marching in the streets and and so forth i just i just thought it was like the coolest thing you know and and what they were fighting for it just you know it seemed unjust and it's crazy and you know, now that I have, you know, I was doing this before I had two girls, but it's like now I have in- more incentive to do it. Mm-hmm, you know, and mm-hmm. and I just became really obsessed with what they were trying to do and and what people, the stories that they were trying to tell. And you know, and especially when the Me Too, uh, just just era exploded, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was like right in the middle of like all these different people who who all kind of had the same purpose. Yeah. Um. And and I was really just fascinated. You know, by not. You know. But different stories and how everyone just kind of shared one one thing and you realize how much and how awful these things were happening. And that's and that's really the the crux of my relationship with the ERA is to stop these things from happening and, pre, and, and just preventing yeah from happening again.
0: Yeah, well, uh, and that's funny you bring up um, the Schoolhouse Rock. I wish that there would be some kind of group, you know, having to do with the Democrats that would bring – Back something like that, but we could do it online, and I th- like I have all these ideas how the Democratic Party because I think one of the things they lack is selling all the good that they've done. You know, it's like for instance in twenty fourteen when freaking no one showed up to vote, um, Democrats were too afraid to speak about. Obamacare and all the success stories behind it. And I wish that they would have really sold uh, Obamacare and I wish that they would point out um, you know, the good that they've done. And, you know, just not even a partisan way, just the, the things about the government. Like I wish for instance we would have like a show now. You could do, and you could do it online or you could do it on cable or something where you could have like a celebrity paired with a kid and the kid could school the celebrity on why, um, you know, like for instance, I, I always say this when I was, I, I, I didn't, like I said, really get political until 2000. And it was not even, I wasn't mm-hmm. very political, but, um, I, I think that when I was younger, I, I don't remember studying suffrage. Um, I, It might have been a blurb in my high school book, but it didn't catch my attention. If I would have been aware of that, I would have been more interested in it. And if I would have understood that this. Oh, I didn't
1: understand what any of these things were.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: My mom would sit sit there and, and, and she would laugh that I would sing all these songs. But she and she was absolutely right. She would say, does Danny even know what they're talking about? Right. No. <laughs> I don't you know, I would think how a bill becomes a law. Yeah. I don't know what the heck that means. Right. What is how a what is a bill?
0: Right. But that I but know, that's what we need. Like we need education If you had a kid, that would bring kids into it, because that's what we're lacking now. We don't teach civics in school anymore. So if we had something fun with, like, celebrities and kids where a kid could say, hey, look, the president nominates the Supreme Court justice, but the Senate has to vote on them. And here's why a Supreme Court justice is so important. And and I think it would be cool to have the kid, you know, obviously beforehand, It would have to be explained to them so they could understand it and then they could explain it back to the adult. And I think that, you know, it would be a great way to bring people into, you know, not so much politics, but government. If you understand how government works, which clearly Mm -hmm. a lot of us have gotten an education since Trump has been president on how government works, but we've also witnessed how many people don't understand how government works. And that yeah. is really a failure of our uh, government because Republicans have consistent, and I, I don't want to make Democrats sound perfect, but, but um, of the two, give me a break, but um, Republicans have consistently defunded education and that m- money never gets replenished. And so, you know, that is, I, I look at myself and I grew up in, you know, as I said, Southern California, I don't believe that I had the best education. It was public schools, and I just did not have the best education, because when I did briefly go to school in Maryland in sixth grade, I could see what a huge difference the public school system was over here, and it was far superior. I was literally learning 67 plus 48 in sixth grade in California. When I came to, to Maryland, I spent half of a school year before I went to Russia here. And I mean, they mm-hmm. were doing reciprocals and long division and it was like, what the fuck is this? And I didn't know I was getting A's in California, but I would, I was coming here and I was struggling because it was so more, it was way more advanced and we did have a government class. So we're, you know, we have, I think it would be so cool if a group would emerge that could provide fun, entertaining, informative, you know, videos or something that could go viral and could be fun because not enough people truly understand what's going on. And it's like, like I said, the whole, I I don't even remember that suffragist thing. And, um, I wish like, I wish when I was younger, that would have caught my eye because I Mm. know I've always been the person to stand up for anyone I think is getting, you know, discriminated against or, you know, I've, I've just I've always been that person. So it's like if I would and I did realize, you know, I saw my single mother taking care of me. I saw as a girl growing up in the 80s, all these women who were advancing and getting high powered jobs and, you know, where and it's like that iconic, you know, snapshot of seeing them wearing tennis shoes on Wall Street going mm-hmm. home to work. And so it's like, in my mind, even though Ronald Reagan at the time was a very conservative president, and even our fashions were extremely conservative at the time, they seemed like they were so over the top. And and they seemed like um, everything felt as if it were, were we were progressing. You know, every television show, uh, whether it was, uh, what is that, um, with Mr. Drummond, and he adopted different, stroke. different Strokes, it's like there was an episode where the two boys wanted to go see their dad at his um, private club and the guy wouldn't let them in because they were two little black boys and Mr. Drummond was like freaked out and you know, they addressed racism and you know I me. Mean? So it was like, it was all these shows and stuff that I was brought up on. Everything told me we were progressing. But like in reality, um, and we were, we were definitely progressing, but it's like, you look what's happening now and the way that the Republican... Part of our government wants to take all these rights away from women. They have not signed the Violence Against Women Act. They're making it harder to get abortions. Mm-hmm. Um, just rollbacks and rollbacks and rollbacks. And it's like, I mean, we take steps forward. We take steps back. And I just, I wish at the time I would have um, seen more in, in school about that. Because I think I would have made it, I would have been interested me. And I think I would have become more politically engaged when I was younger if I would have understood what was going on. But I just didn't. And, you know, plus we also saw Geraldine Ferraro running for vice president, which I figured by this time we would have had at least two women presidents, but that hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we're still hanging on. (laughs) I
1: think, you know, what's funny is, you know, with the, the, um, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, just what you would see on TV, you know, I, I felt now that, you know, just looking back on it, a lot of the shows that I watched as a kid really talked about social issues and social yeah all the time you know? i mean i was i different strokes is one of my favorite shows yeah and i mean i learned so much you know from watching that or good times or
0: yeah you know
1: even something as stupid as give me a break you know it's just like i would you know, <laughs> yeah i, I would well, learn, they like, address racism you know, you know, i remember they're, they're, that. i'm not i'm not going to get into it because my wife hears me talk about it too much <laughs> there's an episode of give me a break i don't know if you remember or watch that show
0: i did but, a little bit yeah but,
1: but Samantha, the, the younger I think her name was Samantha, Sam, yes. whatever, the youngest daughter gets jealous of Joey Lawrence. And Joey Lawrence is performing at an event and Joey Samantha dresses Joey up in blackface. Do you remember that yes, episode? Yes, I do, I do. Okay. And uh, yes, and, an episode, and, yes. Okay, so I'm not gonna say it, but you know, where where Samantha's jealous and she starts crying because she thinks you know, Joey Lawrence is the baby and she's no longer treated as the young one anymore. And Nell Carter says, Sam, I never thought the day would come where you would call me
0: blank. Right.
1: And I, what?
0: Went... Right. Whoa. I mean, like, <laughs> that haunted me. Like,
1: like I can't even imagine that. And on a sitcom. I know that was said. I, I do
0: remember that. I do remember that. Yeah.
1: You know, and, to this day, that like, like, just like makes me go, <laughs> you know, and like, and and and, but like, there were shows like that that were teaching, that were just teaching everything, mm-hmm. you know, no matter how awful, not awful, but how silly and the sitcom was, you know, right, what, like Punky Brewster or, yeah. or whatever. Well, Family Ties and, did and a, had, like, a
0: gunge episode, and you know, I mean, oh my god, yeah.
1: I I mean the, the. the they, there were so many great things. And then even in the seventies with like, you know, with, with Archie Bunker.
0: Or with mm, all oh, right. Totally. Or yeah.
1: I am obsessed. Now there's a channel that plays mod from nine to 10 o'clock.
0: Mod is and, awesome. <laughs> and,
1: and I, I never watched Moxie. it was never in reruns in LA until now. I've been watching mod now for like the last two years. And it's one of the greatest shows I've ever seen could never be made today. <laughs> right. Never in a million years could be made today. And I don't care what you say about Golden Girls, this is B. Arthur's finest hour, and Golden Girls can suck it after watching the show. <laughs> because it is it is so well written. Every single character is so well, well written. Well, it's Norman and, Lear. Yeah. and it's and it's so and it's so relevant of today. Mm-hmm. And I was upset and all the Norman Lear sitcoms that had these social issues, whether it was the Jeffersons, mm-hmm. even Facts of Life for that matter. Right. Um, as campy as that was. But they, they all have these issues. And I actually believe, you know, growing up, you know, that really I mean, even like Maria on Sesame Street, all these women to me were like just as strong as father figures. And um
0: I think oh, that's oh, oh. very, very that's Crosby. <laughs> he wants to be page. on the podcast.
1: Me. <laughs> <B. laughs> uh, everyone, everyone knows Crosby. Um anyway, um, But these, you know, I I looked at them just like no different. I I I didn't separate the the the, the sexes. To me, they were just these strong individuals Mm -hmm. who, you know, who just who who made their their power known just by looking at them. Mm -hmm. And I was always kind of a a, a, you know that was all part of it all of how I I was always fascinated by that. You know, at school I took I had to take a cluster of electives. Mm -hmm. And I chose I chose human sexuality, but the reality was it was really all about female empowerment. But oh, I learned so much and, and 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 about it all, and 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 it's why I kind of went down that path. I mean, yeah, I mean it's probably part of what I do PR Um, you know, working in the Me Too movement, working on on feminist, uh, you know, on fem- female issues, you know, from 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 abortion to. Um, just proper health care, medical care, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, I've always, I, It's I it just felt important to me because yeah. I think of how the way I was raised on, you know, whether it was these shows or these issues, these documentaries as a
0: kid, you
1: know, it was, it, 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 it's, it, it was so powerful to me and that's yeah. how it resonated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I mean, I, I look at those, shows and i mean they were they helped form my opinion of where we were in society so it's it's really <sighs> kind of shocking to see where we are now compared to that time when i really felt that all we were going to do was progress but again right. i was not so aware of what was going on politically, I mean the Nixon thing happened when I was three, and frankly, my memory of that was I remember seeing him cry on television, and I felt sorry for him because i you know I was three. what do I know so um but it's like you know i I, I, I thought that the I thought America was going to be going into a more progressive direction, and when I say that, I just mean you know women as presidents and more women in Congress and more women in um you know, business and in Hollywood and all of that. And, and and slowly we're getting there, but it's taking so long. But one of the last things I wanted to ask you about is you mentioned that you do that you did work um, with the Me Too movement and you helped mm-hmm. some of the women uh, with their stories specifically. And I'm going to say it's Les, Les Moonves. I'm going to say his name wrong again. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about, about your work there and some of the women that you worked with and how you, like, Guided them through their own Me Too stories.
1: You know, you never know what projects are going to lead you there. You know, to, to where you are. I mean, you know, if you weren't like, for instance, when I mentioned Laura Benanti earlier, you know, my Broadway experience was was not small, but it wasn't what it was. You know, what it what it became. You know, and after working with her, all of a sudden, all these Broadway actors would come, would come to me. Or, you know, I, I worked, I don't know if you remember, um, when Casey Kasem, that whole situation with his wife and yes, and so forth. Took so, Okay. I mean, if, if most people in, in fact know me from that, hmm, interesting. <laughs> um, if you Google my name in Casey Kasem, you're going to see pretty much every statement I gave for the last, for those two years. Huh. Um, but, but, you know, because of that, you know, I have, you know, celebrity children or children of celebrity children of whose parents were celebrities, you know, coming to me to talk about elder abuse. So how they're not, Mm. how how they're not being allowed to see their family or, you know, so it's, you become known for one thing and you, you know, then all of a sudden word of mouth comes and, you know, little by little, that's how it's been trickling with the me too movement. I mean, I, I was working with Ileana before I even knew, you know, I I mean, she told me, but it was, but nobody was talking. about
0: Ileana Douglas. Uh, Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, and I have to say, I mean, like I, I take no credit in breaking the story or, or anything like that. This is pretty much Ileana and Ronan Farrow. Mm-hmm. You know, we we talked about it at times, especially after the whole Harvey thing broke. But, you know, that is, you know, that that's the, that's those two, you know. and I right. and, and, and Ronan has just been brilliant in all of this. I say, if you don't want live your life like Ronan Farrow can like can can't find out about it or whatever it is. I forget what that's. What was it? Live live your life the way Ron, Ronan Ron Farrow could never find out about it, or could find <laughs> out about it. Right. Um, and so I you know, I you know, I was when I started working with with um sexual harassment issues, it was it actually had a lot of it had a lot to do with you know, people knew I was working with Ileana, but nobody knew about Ileana's because at the time Ileana didn't want to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is fine, because she, I mean, she didn't have to. Right. And, but she said something to me so profoundly, and, and she was absolutely right. And that was, no one's going to believe you if, you if you speak by yourself, unless you have two other women to back you up. Hmm. And you know, I was just doing research, and i like, she's absolutely right. Because look at all these women who are speaking out. It's mm-hmm. more than one person. Right. Or if it is the one person, they're kind of forgetting about that person really fast. And I just started noticing these, these things. And I remember I went, I went to a meeting at SAG, um, in 2018 and I met a lot of these women who, you know, who had issues, whether it was through Harvey, whether it was through (sighs) different men whose names right now, I can't even remember. Mm -hmm. Um, but everyone was just kind of speaking up and it was, and it was, it was such a mishmash of actresses, you know, young and old and older, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that, that we're speaking. And it was, it was really, it, I mean, it was heartbreaking, but also heartwarming because of seeing all the support for, for these people. Yeah, And I just kind of sat back there and listened. I think I spoke for like a second, um, you know, while I was there, but I, I, I just, it's what I always do. I just sit back, I listen so I can, you know, analyze mm-hmm. and, and so forth. And I, ever since that day, it was like, you know, I was doing a lot of news stories, you know, people were coming to me that, you know, around the time Harvey was being accused and everything. And I was, you know, I was kind of like the go-to guy, (laughs) (laughs) go-to PR guy for for all these, you know, to talk about. So what do you think is going to happen? We're going to be overworking. I was like, all right. So, (laughs) uh, you know, little by little, these, you know, these people, these women would come to me and men too, you know, not just women, men. And, and, you know, they would talk, talk about me and and, talk about, he talked about, uh, you know, their experiences. Mm-hmm. And really what it is, is just listening and, and, and finding out what the ultimate goal is. Um, you know, what, what, what's the end result? Mm-hmm. I mean, is it, if it's justice, it's, one thing, there's one thing I won't do. And I, and I was having a conversation about this. You know, a lot of people ask me like, you know, are there are other products you won't work on. And I go, I'm not going to go if the end result is you just want money. Right. I want. I want. I want a story to be told
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it looks like a, it just looks like blackmail at that point, and not that you're not owed money, but at the same time, if you're just doing it for that, then that leaves. A, I mean, ethically, that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. That I can't. I can't. I can't do that. You can go to somebody else who wants to do that, and you may they think it's fine, but I feel awkward just doing it for that reason. Um, but really, you know. You know, for someone you know who who may have been assaulted by a bigger name celebrity, or you know, it's it's really coming down to how you want to tell your story, and and hmm. and who else might have had similar instances. Because a lot of these women want more than one person to come forward. A lot of these yeah, people will say, sense, "If yeah. she comes forward, I will come forward." Right. Um, because, and and they're again, they're absolutely right you know when it comes to women in in the field of acting their career can be over at any time Mm -hmm. you know i mean whether they get older or they say something Mm -hmm. you know there's lots of blackballing if there's anything that i've learned there's so much
0: blackballing
1: i mean poor mira you know was was a prime example of that
0: yeah
1: and you know just, just, you know, speaking with them, that's, that's all they ever wanted. And I think that's how we kind of connected. And there was always, there was all these different support groups, you know, we were able to help, you know, get a few of these stories out there and so forth. But a lot of these women just felt comfortable talking to me. Yeah. Um, I was honored, you know, first of all, being a guy in this is not easy. It it really, I mean, not that, I mean, it's not a struggle or anything like that, but it's not, it's not easy because I know, I know a lot of these women are uncomfortable with men. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I, and I get it. I, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think many times it's right, but you know, like for the men, cause they, a lot of these, there's so many good guys out there that don't deserve it. But I mean, I also see where they're coming from yeah. and, you, and you can also see the trauma that it's caused. You know, I, you know, there's one person who I know in this movement who had a serious issue with one of the people I've talked about. I mean, and it's, this, she always has this perpetual scowl on her face when she's near men. Mm-hmm. And it's just like and it's and it's like you can see the damage that it's done yeah and I'm well sure that's like because you don't
0: know who you can trust that's the thing it's like yeah. if 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 you have ever experienced um any kind of assault or abuse or something like that um then you're gonna have this feeling not every woman of course I'm speaking in a general sense, but the idea of, of like I don't know who I can trust like I just by looking at you I can't tell
1: yeah and 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 I don't blame them for that you know yeah. it's like i I won't say you know I'm sure there's plenty of women that are out there who have had some sort of trauma, um, you know, who don't trust me just for the sake of the fact that, that I am a man. Right. And I, and, and I don't fault them for that. It's like, I, I, am like, you know what? I I can't force you to feel a way about me. And I'm not out and I'm not out there to prove myself, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to you either. Um, but I get it. I mean, I think, you know, I think Roseanne Arquette said it best many times to me, trauma begets trauma. Yeah. And, you know, the more things that happen to you, the more, the more, um, you know, the way, the, how you react to things, mm-hmm. you know, the fragility, how fragile so many of these, these women have become because of their, and men have become because of their experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, I've always been grateful for people believing in me and trusting in me. You know, I I, I I, would never go out of their way to tell their story. I was actually in the process. I stopped <laughs> because of pure laziness. But I was in the process. I have been. I was asked to do a book proposal together of like my work in the Me Too movement. I hmm. made it clear to people. And I kind of stopped. Well, I have to admit, I kind of stopped because I think a lot of these women were getting worried mm-hmm. and I didn't want to do it. And once that kind of started, I decided to change my focus that mm-hmm. I was going to tell their story despite right. the fact that I made right. it clear. It's not my story to tell, yeah. And I would never mention specifics or anything like that. But because more than one person was getting worried, I kind of said, "Okay, I can't do this. I'll talk about PR things that have happened to me, but I, I can't. If I, I want them to trust me, and I, you know, so that's where I kind of put the kibosh on that. You Mm -hmm. know, maybe maybe another I'll I'll approach it. But I mean, it was truly an honor just just to be accepted amongst this community and see it. Um, it's a very interesting community. I'll, I'll say that, but uh, you know, it, it's um, it, it, you know, I, I think a lot of people over time look at me as a crisis PR person. And that's where hmm. I think a lot of, a lot of them kind of looked after me and, you know, or they said, Hey, look, if Mira thinks he's okay. Right. Who's kind of, she's, she's kind of considered the, you know, the, the mother of all this. I'm <laughs> uh, not, I mean, like as someone is who they who they people really look up to. Yeah, um, follow her lead, which I think more should actually. Mm-hmm. But that's another podcast. <laughs> um, but um, really, you know, you know, really, you know, I'm grateful that they look they looked up to me and allowed me in to right. to you know let me do it and being and being in crisis PR. You know, they saw me as someone who's helped on so many different things and so many different projects and so many different campaigns. You know, I think they, they, they were looking to me and just, you know, and, and sometimes I just say no, you know, because yeah. I, I couldn't handle it. Or, or, or it could be something as simple as the person maybe not understanding what they went through. Yeah. And, and there's a lot and there's and there's a lot of people who want to jump in and just kind of be a part of it and that's not the reason to do mm-hmm. it and I mean I know being a man and, and, and saying like who are you to say to judge people's experiences but I mean it's like you know but I, I'm also a human and you can tell mm-hmm. you know what someone's true initiatives are, or, or true feelings are mm-hmm. um, but but just to be considered as, as someone who who's a trustworthy source is such a, right. is such an incredible for me.
0: Well, you know, I mean, I, as I said, my experience in acting was somewhat limited. I mean, I was, I was in it for 10 years. I studied for two and a half. And then I, uh, the rest of that time I auditioned or whatever. And, um, I had one terrible experience, but it wasn't like I was raped or anything. I mean, basically it was just this guy who approached me first. I was approached by a woman in the mall that same day I was approached by him. I'll I'll remember his name in a minute, but. Logan Anthony Logan, and so you know this woman came up to me and she's like, "Oh my God, you're so beautiful, and you should be an actress." And so of course, you know, I'm like 24 and one and studying. I was studying and I had just graduated my acting studio, and so I was like, "Oh, you know, I want to hear that." And then I get mm-hmm. approached by Anthony. He, he, she was Anthony's assistant. I get approached on this and same day um, by Anthony Logan and saying the same things to me and, Oh, we got to get you into the office. So basically he gets me, you know, we have an audition, like an audition meeting, I guess. And so at the time I just figured it was a meeting. So I went in and we were, we were alone in his office. I think there might've been a woman out front, but I don't remember. But anyway, Anthony and I were alone and we had a conversation for about an hour And, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I was 24 years old, I was articulate at the time, and I, you know, was really trying to make a good impression. So he had let me know how, you know, charming he thought I was and intelligent he thought I was. And so then he says, Well, here, let's, let's, let's audition you. And he gives me this script. And it's like a couple pages of copy, where I was supposed to be seducing him, and then getting on top of him and doing a lap dance. And, you know, I just and we were alone. And so I didn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. And you know, I mean, I was very new to the audition process because while I was studying, I didn't want to audition. I figured I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing yet. Plus auditioning is a whole totally different thing than acting. So like, there's a whole different skill set that you need in order to be a really good auditioner. And so I really didn't want to do it before I knew what I was doing. I didn't want to like be terrible. And then they would just always remember me as, oh, that terrible actress. So Um, I was very new to this process. And I felt so awkward. And, you know, I mean, there's that part of you as you know, you're a woman, and you know, you're attractive. And you know that you, 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 you maybe might get a part in a film, and you don't want to piss the guy off. But on the other hand, you are alone in an office with a man that you don't know. And so I did the scene with him, but I didn't touch him. And at the end of it, he told me how disappointed he was in me because I had impressed him so much early on. But then, you know, I just just fucked it all up when I didn't give him a lap dance. And so that That was it.
1: exactly how it all starts. (laughs) Yeah. And the the interesting thing is that if I had a nickel for every story Mm -hmm. that I've heard, what you just said, Mm -hmm. just whether it was in a hotel room, whether it Mm -hmm. was in a restaurant, whether it was in a studio, with results all varying from rate to just the person walking out, Mm -hmm. it's, 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 I would be a very rich man for every right. Well,
0: and then the whole thing about the disappointment, you know, I mean, he, he, he didn't try to assault me and perhaps, I don't know if this is true, but again, my height and my stature and my, um, I'm outspoken. So perhaps men recognize that I was not so easy to control. I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing because that never happened to me, but, It it, it might have happened if I'd stayed in it, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I'm not trying to say that I'm, you know, I have some fortunate edge because I'm just a woman and, you know, a man could overtake me. I'm not, I'm strong, but I'm not that strong. But I do think that my height and my stature and my outspoken ways have definitely made some men just avoid me altogether, whether it was hiring me or having anything to do with me. They just saw me as somebody who they did not want to deal with. And, you know, I mean, like there was another situation where I was friends with this girl for a while and she kept she was oh, my God, she was like the epitome of um, desperate Hollywood. She had and she was a self-described bulimorexic. So she was a bulimic, she was anorexic tendencies, and she was an alcoholic. And so and she desperately wanted to be famous. And there was this dude who his I can't remember his name, but he was like, for some reason he had ins to all of these like B parties, like B movie type producers these parties where they would be in the Hollywood Hills and there'd be valet parking and the, and it wouldn't be like the a list crowd, but it was like the B list crowd. I, I went to a couple a list parties, but mostly it was mm-hmm. these B list parties where nobody, you didn't see anybody famous, but there were lots of producers around. And the funny thing was what I learned was they, all these people at these parties fell all over themselves for this girl. She was one of the most insecure. I mean, she was pretty. And very much like a beauty pageant pretty. She was from South Carolina and very friendly. And and, and, and she just kept getting invited to these parties all the time. So she Mm -hmm. begged me to go along with her. And this was after I gave up acting. So I was a little bit on the jaded side. And I kind of took that with me. When people would, like, I, I would purposely tell them, I weighed 150 pounds just to watch the horror in their face or I would tell them I was 40 when I was really 32 just because I knew they would be like, oh, don't tell people your age. And I, and I just like would fuck with them. And I had a lot of fun because I had nothing to lose. I didn't give a shit if they hired me. And so, um, but she still did. She was very much wanting that attention. And what I found so fascinating and interesting was that they would fall all over themselves for her and they would tell her, Oh my God, you're so beautiful and you're so this and she would just lap it up and lap it up and they didn't really want to have anything to do with me. Especially this one guy who would get her invites to parties. And, you know, mm-hmm. he would see me and he would like fucking go to the other side of the room. And I just I just had that um I don't know, I had an air about me that it was like, You wanna fuck with me? Come on. <laughs> and they were like, No, I don't want to fuck with you. So but you know, with her, the funny thing was is like, okay, at these parties, everybody would act like she was I think what was happening was they were picking up on her insecurity and they were picking up on her desperateness and they wanted to take advantage of it one way or the other, because a lot of times in Hollywood, that's what happens. It's not the only experience, but it's definitely a common one. And they saw me and they were like, no, she doesn't, we can't do that with her. And then when, Mm -hmm. when she and I went to a part, we went to a couple of parties that were not these, you know, B lister parties. They were just regular people no one liked her. No one liked her. Yeah. And it was funny because I met her through work. I was a fragrance model, and we were both doing fragrance modeling together, you know, spraying perfume in department stores. And no one liked her. And I didn't even really like her because she was so fucking vain. She was a sweet person, but she was just so messed up in the head, and she was so vain. And it was she, all she'd ever talk about was the way she looked. And as fucking, you know, insecure as I've been in my whole life about the way I looked, man, she had me topped and nobody, I've never met anybody who, like, I, it was weird because my mind, I hung out with her for about a year and a half. She was over here trying to make it, her, her, she was from South Carolina and nobody liked her. And I think I just, it's not that I took pity on her because I actually did have fun going to these parties, but my mind would just kind of go numb when she would start in on her her appearance and, and just endless, endless, endless vanity. And so, um, Mm -hmm. it was like, I don't know. I, I feel like I was kind of supposed to hang out with her for a while and give her somebody to hang out with. Um, because nobody liked her. But it was just to me, it was such an education that, you know, all the Hollywood loser types because they were like more loser types. They weren't the A-listers. They were just like the smarm part of Hollywood. And they were all over her. And, you know, and it was like they didn't want to have anything to do with me. And so I just thought that was so funny because, you know, it just like wrapped it all up for me. And I was at that point in my life, I was half like I had a toe in it. I I, I, ha- I did, didn't have an agent, wasn't pursuing it, but I would go to these parties and I thought, well, you never know, you know, if someone comes along Meh. and, you know, sure, I'll go on an audition or whatever, but mostly I was out. And so I had a whole different attitude about it. And that attitude was um, not, I don't know, people just didn't want to really have anything to do with me. and it made me laugh. I mean, I didn't feel upset about it. I actually kind of, I, you know, like I said, I would drive it by saying I weigh 150 pounds and I was really thin at 150 pounds because I'm so tall, but you know, the way they would freak out when I would tell them it was like, it was so funny to watch their expressions and see how they would just freak out and cringe, don't say that, don't say your age, and it, and it was just like, I would like just cackle, because I was like, you guys are freaking full of shit, and and that all said, you know, I mean, I was an actress for a while, and now I do what I do, but I always love entertainment, and I always, I appreciate what you do, because you're part of the entertainment industry, and as much as, you know, I, I mean, I don't have any, I have, I've had nev- negative experiences, but I've also had a lot of really positive experiences, and I just love entertainment. I love movies. I love television shows. I love the whole gamut plays all of it. So it's like, um, I don't want to sound like I'm bitter about my experiences because I think all in all, um, while I did experience a little bit of sexism here and there, there really that, that one story was the only couch, uh, casting couch thing. The rest of it was, you know, for the most part, it was positive and it was fun and, and I had a good time. Um, But yeah, I mean, I can imagine what it must be like for you to hear the stories from women who have had a lot worse situations than I ever had to deal with. And I'm thankful for that, but I feel like this work is so important. Because as I said on Monday, um, when I uh, talked with Lorraine devin Wilkie, we were talking about Me Too. And, you know, we're not going to get into it because we're going to wrap up in a second. But, you know, with all the Tara Reid allegations coming out and everything, I I see people wanting to cancel Me Too. And I feel like... Mm -hmm. There is no one person that's, you know, this is not about one person. This is about mm-hmm. a, a movement. And one person's allegation, one person's experience does not define it, whether it's something that really uh, w- were to elevate me to or to make people question me to. It's all a collective. And I, you know, I mm-hmm. hope that if there is anybody out there who is, um, questioning it you know please consider that it is it is more than just one story it it is that group I mean like when you know Alyssa didn't start that hashtag but when she said if this happened to you write me too I mean the thousands and thousands and thousands of women and I'm sure men who responded to her Mm -hmm. shows that this is not um a one-time one-person thing This is a movement, and it it needs to be fiercely protected. And with any kind of civil rights movement or women's rights, it's going to be ugly, and there are going to be people attacking it and wanting to tear it down. And we have to be strong, and no matter what you think of Tara Reid, whether you believe that she's telling the truth, whether you're not sure, or you feel like maybe she's making this up for political reasons, her story her allegation does not define me too. And the way that Democrats are handling it does not define me too. And I feel really strong right. about that. So I had to get that in there.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I completely, I completely agree with you. I, I, you know, there are people sadly that exist during this whole thing. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've come across a lot of, you know, some of these actresses who who, who have these experiences you know, and you can hear them saying, you know, my story is more important than this story or mm-hmm. this person didn't really get harassed. I'm like, you're that's you're not understanding. Right. If you are doing, if you are saying these things, you are doing essentially what you're, what you're accusing your, the person yeah. assaulted or harassed you of doing the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a competition. And if you're in it for the competition, right. then you need to question yourself. Yeah. And I think there's two, there's another thing that's really, really important. You know, I used to be all about you know, believe the women, believe the women, believe them. And I still am about that. I shouldn't say used to be. Um, and I think one important thing is people think automatically when you say believe the women, you know, it doesn't mean don't believe the men.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: that's one important thing that I, I think gets neglected mm-hmm. because the men. Have every right, you know. Despite, I mean, maybe whether they did it, whether they don't understand the magnitude of what they did, whatever, whatever, whatever. the situation was. I, I, you know, obviously we're not there; we can't decide. Mm-hmm. But we have to also assume, you know, th- that they're innocent as well, you know, or or completely ignorant, and <laughs> however, <laughs> however you want to, you know, to to, to assume it. Until, you know, if there is a court case and we see the evidence and we see the proof, and then we decide. I think I jumped the gun, you know, really early on when I was doing this where I didn't really, you know, because you were hearing so many of these stories. It's like, you know, especially with Harvey, I was believing almost everything. I go, wait a second, you know, imagine this was like just obviously not of the magnitude, but imagine this was happening to someone that you knew. Mm -hmm. Would you immediately ask for the, you know a mob to come with, 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 you know, with fire and, you mm-hmm. know, pitchforks or whatever, or would you want to listen to under, and understand? And I don't think there is enough of that that goes around. People just want to assume the worst of people and not listen to both sides. I think the importance of believing the two has to go hand in hand if, if we're ever going to take this um, to the place where it really needs to be. We've, I mean, we've done so much great work, You know, since then, you know, I'm not a fan of cancel culture, but I am when it comes to situations, you know, obviously of Harvey, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Kevin Spacey, I'm, I am, you know, Mario, but I'm a hundred percent behind that, um,
0: well, like, I think we should take – I culture. think the believe thing, it, I think it gets taken literally. And all I think we really need to do is let both parties tell their story. And yeah. it doesn't always get to happen in a court, It you know, in a courtroom. Sometimes it's the court of public opinion. And in this case of Tara Reid, there isn't going to be a court case. And, and if he did do what she's saying that he did, there's no way we can prove it. There's no proof. Right. And so what you have to do is you have to, you know – she's got the story to tell. So it's up to her to give us this line of, you know, events happening. and And then he has to come back and say, okay, A, B, and C. And then we have to listen to both of them. And with the information that we have, decide, you know, for me, it's come to the point where, you know, this one guy, former federal prosecutor, Michael J. Stern, he did a piece and saying, okay, here, there's holes in the story. And here's why I have a problem with it. And he made all, you know, he listed everything. So I listened to her interview and I've read her Twitter feed and I've seen what she's had to say. And I listened to, you know, I read what Michael s- had to say. And, and if I were sitting in a court of law, there's enough doubt for me to say, I can't prosecute Joe Biden. Um, I'm not going to say that, um, you know, Joe, I mean, obviously Joe Biden is handsy. And it's inappropriate, but he, he was handsy with Al Franken. There's a photo of him doing to Al Franken what he does to women. And I think that mm-hmm. he just doesn't get it. He's, you know, it's inappropriate. It's not rape. But, you know, you take a look at his past. That that's part of his past. But then, ha- like you were mentioning earlier, are there any other women coming forward with the same stories? No, there aren't. And so, you know, you have to, we all have to look at this individually. And say it's not so much about, "I believe her, I believe him." it's like, "I'm taking them seriously." If we were in a court of law and you were sitting in a drawer box and you had these two people and one person said, "This person you know stole from me," and the other person said, "No, I didn't." It's not that you believe both of them, but you take them seriously, and you listen to their story, and then you have to weigh whatever evidence is presented. And since in this case, with the Read store, we don't get you know it's not like an evidence story. It's just like, who did she talk to? Who can corroborate this? What, you know, can, can we do a lineup of, of a timeline where Joe Biden might have been? Because you know, there was a story that came out over the weekend or last weekend um, that Christine O'Donnell's niece was at some event where Biden supposedly commented. She was supposed to be 14 years old and Biden supposedly commented on her being well endowed. Well, that story fell apart because he was never there. So it's like, yeah, so it's not, you know, it's like, I I think that we, I wish the believe women hashtag would have been something different because... People are getting stuck in that word and taking it literally, and it's not about literally. It's about for all these years and decades, women have not been believed, and they've been ridiculed, and they've been blamed, and that's the default yeah. position. And so it's really sure. about if you say your car was stolen, people don't say, well, did you park it on a street that wasn't safe? Did you, did you leave the lot? You know, were you drinking? What, you were-? No one says that you're automatically taken seriously. There's a report filed and, and the police assume your car was stolen and they say, okay, well we're gonna look for it. And, 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 and then they go forward with whatever investigation. The same thing needs to be done and if, if a woman comes or a man comes to, you know, forward with a, a sexual allegation, it's the same deal. You know, they, they don't assume she's lying. You know, they don't necessarily have to believe that what she's saying is true, but they, but they should never assume that she's lying. They should just take it for what it's worth and seriously and, and not judge it. And that's what we, you know, unfortunately with the patriarchal system we're in, and it's not just America, it's all over the world, women haven't been taken seriously. And, um, and it's brought us to this place. And it's so uncomfortable. And it's like, you know, I mean, in the, in there's, there's like a real split with Al Franken. There's people who say, mm-hmm. you know, he's guilty and some people say he isn't guilty. And it's like, he never got the opportunity to really tell his side because he asked for an investigation and they did, there wasn't one he just stepped down. And so mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I mean, who do you believe? Well, there were seven women that said he that I think it was seven that said that he was inappropriate. So, he has seven women saying it. That's was did he rape anybody? No. I think it was just ma- mainly what he was doing was being inappropriate, saying inappropriate things and um and people got offended and then it was he's a political character and you know, I don't exactly know why each one, I don't know the story of each woman, but it's like, I, you know, I'm not going to say that they're liars and I'm not going to say that he's a terrible man. But at this point in the game, we didn't even have an opportunity to listen to what was going on because there was no investigation, but I'm not going to assume those women are lying and I'm not going to assume that he's guilty. I'm just not sure what happened. And that's what makes it so hard because so many of these stories are coming years later. And it's like with, um, Eliana needing to have, two or three other people, I get that. Because otherwise the default is to say, oh, you're just seeking attention, you're just lying. And it's like, no, that's not usually the case. But in order to persuade whether it's a, a jury or court of public opinion, you need to have backup. And so, you know, it's just, it's just so difficult. And and it's that's why the Me Too movement is so important because I think as we work through this and even as it's painful and we can see you know, okay, maybe that wasn 't handled so well, so we got to do better the next time that 's the whole point is to continue to evolve in this and to not make she 's lying be the default right so you're uh, right. Anyway. anyway, well, we have been talking for a long time, almost two hours, and i wasn 't even sure because you 're not political <laughs> i wasn 't sure how long this was going to last but <laughs> we have we have definitely talked for quite some time, and it was really fun talking to you you 're you know, I, I had mentioned, you know, my cat, it seems like she's maybe getting better. So I'm in a little bit better mood than I was yesterday. And I was like worried because I've just been in this kind of downer mood. So talking to you has been fun and it's kind of like helped me to come out of my little sadness. So thank you for being a guest.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. We can make a mini series out of this.
0: (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Well, you can find
1: me at, you know, I don't do, you know, much of the Facebook, but you can find me at, on Twitter or Instagram at Danny Duraney, D-A-N-N-Y, D-E-R-A-N-E-Y, or uh, my my company Duraney PR, which is my last name, D-E-R-A-N-E-Y, and the letters P-R on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Perfect. Well, what I will do is I will link your Twitter account to the um, Patreon description of the show, and uh like I said thanks for being on and I don't know keep keep safe. <laughs> keep I, safe I, during I this pandemic. <laughs> I adore you my friends. So, oh uh, you it, too. I, I,
1: you do you do the same.
0: Thank you so much. Well that show lasted longer than I expected. I hope you had fun. I definitely had fun talking with Danny. He's a great guy. And I'm glad that we were able to talk about some of the issues that I normally talk about on the show as well as stuff that I usually don't. So it's kind of like a nice break for me anyway. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, don't forget you can find me on Twitter at author kimberly K I M B E R L E Y and you can see me bitching and complaining about the president all fucking day. <laughs> Cuz that's what I well, actually no, you know what? I don't I do quote tweet him every once in a while, but I never go to his feed unless the only time I go to his feed is for something specific. Like I, I see a tweet and I, I, I'm like, okay, I got to fucking retweet that. But I usually don't visit his feed. I usually wind up seeing him because somebody else has either quote tweeted him or mentioned him. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. And then you can also read my books or buy my books, which I would really, really appreciate. I've got The Virgin Diaries, Ain't No Sunshine, Men Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak, American Woman, The Pole Dance, and Peyton's Choice, which is a, uh, the only fiction book that I've written for the young adult crowd about abortion. It's about a 17-year-old girl who chooses to have an abortion, because of course I wrote that. And uh, that's, you can find that on Amazon at Kimberly A. Johnson. So thank you for listening. I hope, to, I hope everything goes well for next week. Fingers crossed with Miranda. Uh, We will see you next Monday. Stay safe.